Welcome to the Scaling Therapy Practice Podcast. In this episode, we discuss our internal motivations, the different paths that led us to podcasting, and how your story can be your strength. PsychMaven is proud to support the Scaling Therapy Practice Podcast. And if you are someone looking for ideas that are tailored to your own personal style on how to scale and grow your own impact and income as a mental health provider, we hope you might check out our free online assessment. If you go to stp.psychmaven.com, you can take our free personal inventory and find out what your builder type is as a helping professional. This assessment is quick and fun, and it comes with tons of customized resources with your results, so you can discover the best ways to scale that match your own personality. Find the assessment at stp.psychmaven.com. That is stp.psychmaven.com. P-S-Y-C-H-M-A-V-E-N dot com. Have fun with it. Welcome to the Scaling Therapy Practice, a podcast dedicated to helping private practice owners grow their business without the grind. Tune in and join the conversation as we explore how to leave an impact on the world while building a thriving and sustainable therapy practice. Thank you for joining us for the Scaling Therapy Practice. My name is James Marland. I'm with Dr. David Hall. Today, we're going to talk about how did we get here? <laughs> you know, every every life has a story. Every podcast has a story. So how do we get here? Are you excited to talk about that today? I am. It, it is the, for those who checked out the first episode, hopefully you did. It was a short one, but we're going to talk about kind of our kind of positions and how we kind of got into this. And as James is our, our host, James, you know, you're, you're for therapist podcast, you might be the first person I know that does a therapist podcast and you yourself, you're not a therapist. Not a therapist. Is that kind of rare? Well, well, let's see, well, how rare. did I get here? Right. Yeah. So let me, let me yeah. talk a little bit about my story. I grew up, my mom worked in social service. She worked actually like doing direct care with people, not, a, not as a therapist, but sort of like in the helping field. So I come from a history of people wanting to help other people. And at first, my first career, I, for some reason, I wanted to be an accountant. So I started going to community college for like journal entries and those. You can tell I, I didn't stick with it because I don't even know the terms anymore. But I started to go in for those types of things, took some classes on accounting for community college. And then one of the things as I was going through college, one of my main reasons for going to school was to earn, like to get rich. I didn't want to be poor. I didn't want to, you know, we grew up in a poor type neighborhood. So I wanted to like better myself and, and going to college, you don't get rich. I don't know if you know that, but there's not much money making <laughs> as you're going to college. So I was like trying to think, how am I going to make this work? And in the middle of, in the middle of my second semester, I wrecked my car and almost like I, I was a dumb 20 year old and I was going through gravel and I hit the gravel on purpose, but then lost control of my car with bald tires and flipped it and almost like landed on a tree stump. And that was like a big life-changing moment for me because I realized my end goal of making money was not gonna, it wasn't, 
it wasn't like a life fulfilling goal. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. There's an existential crisis that coming yeah, to it was, near death creates. Yeah, uh, it was an ex existential crisis. I was, I remember just sitting on the side of the road in shock. I couldn't even talk to the officer or anything. I just, I was like out of my mind. And I, at some point I realized if I would have died, my life probably wouldn't have meant a whole lot. Like I was serving myself. I was doing things. I also come from a, a faith-based background. And so like I realized in my religion, I would go to heaven, but God would be like, well, you got a zero mm. <laughs> and you you didn't do anything. You didn't help anybody. You didn't do anything in your life. You didn't support anybody. You made it, but that's it. And so mm. I decided I wanted to start focusing my life on helping people. And the first, the first episode was I took some, I went to school, I changed my major and went to a college to go be a youth minister. Mm. So after, after college, one of my wife's friends said, you like working with kids. Why don't you come work at a shelter at, for, at a mental health hospital? And the, mm. so that's kind of where I kind of got landed in mental health and never really left. Mm. Uh, so I worked in the shelter, worked at, then I worked at a family-based team as the second person. I, have a, I had a bachelor's degree and I worked with somebody who had a master's degree. Then I did um, uh, day hospital scheduling, inpatient scheduling, eventually managed a department where we did assisted psychiatric evaluations for you know people to get rapid evals so that's that's sort of my my work career and i i worked i worked in the therapy realm for about you know doing admissions and and dealing with like really intense cases for about 16 16 to 18 years mm -hmm. when that department we got bought out and when that when that department got shut down my job was eliminated and i didn't have a therapy degree you know, I'm I'm more admissions. I have a master's degree in ministry and a master's degree in business, but not, they didn't find a, a therapist job for me. And I didn't I didn't want to stick with admissions. So I went to a friend of mine was started a company to do support services for remote therapists or remote services for therapists. And it was a great fit for me. I stayed there three years and and then that company got sold. So that company got sold. And now I, you know, I was the manager, but not the owner. So now I'm looking for another job. So this is kind of like two, 2022 here, June, 2022. And I'd been reading books and like trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And, you know, going back to the, the, the somebody else's grind was not appealing to me. Like, I had another crisis moment, you know, how am I going to take control of my life? How am I going to put things in place where I can have a stable income, but not be dependent on if some other, somebody else's plans. Mm. So, so I started doing, started, I started with what I am good at and I'm good at technology. I'm good at presentations. I'm decent at social media. I like making relationships. So I started calling therapists, asking them if I could either create courses for them or create PowerPoints or do some of their social media. And because of my connections with like Gordon and Whitney and some of the other therapists, I I bumped into Dr. David Hall. <laughs> and yeah, and it's 
it's the, and that's an interesting kind of segue. I do want to highlight kind of back to your story, James, of what, you know, you have all this logistic background and it's funny, like so many therapists, you worked in your therapy adjacent sorts of things. You, you got to see a lot of different parts of the industry of kind of the business side of things, admission side of things, a lot of stuff that we may have experienced, but from different sides of it. And so I think there's a lot of uniqueness in your perspective. And, and as you yeah, said, I like, helped for sure. I helped group practices, individual therapists, psychologists, day hospital, like group programs, day hospital programs, inpatient admissions, crisis, BHRS services. I don't know if that's the right term for all states, but that's sort of like the, the in-home community services. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I had to be, I had to like conceptualize the the admission process for that span of um, mm -hmm. different types of clients with criteria and insurance and just supporting so the therapist could do their work. Like we yes. were, we were a whole department so that the, the skilled people could, could spend their time doing the skilled things that they do. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. And, and that's the, and I think that's what, such a unique voice and what kind of intrigued me when you reached out to me. So I'll pick up kind of my story on kind of the other end of it and and share kind of how it's converged for James and I. So as James said, my name is, is David Hall. I'm, I have a doctorate in psychology. I'm licensed as a marriage and family therapist and a licensed professional counselor, mental health service provider in the state of Tennessee. I'm a group practice owner. I run a, with my wife, who's also a mental health counselor, we're business partners and we co-run together a, at this point, a time of recording, a 17-person counseling clinic in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is my hometown. I'm in East Tennessee. James, is, you're in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, yeah. The And, you know, James kind of mentioned kind of our, our connection points of Gordon Brewer, but practice therapy podcast, Whitney Owens, wise, wise practice. But I guess I'll go back a little bit of how I, because I am a therapist and how I kind of got into that. I never thought I was going to be an accountant. I'll be very clear with that. I barely, <laughs> I barely, I think the highest level of math I did was college algebra. I never took a calculus class or I barely passed st statistics twice in doing it for both my master's degree. And yeah, uh, I think it's important. It's just not where my mind actually works. So I, I became a therapist in the, in some ways, because I didn't feel very competent for lots of other things. I, I had family friends that had been in mental health. I've always been inclined to social sciences. I did an undergraduate in history, but for me, it was trying to figure out similar. I was, I was interested in making a living. I, I didn't necessarily care in the same sort of way of how do I, how do I make a lot of money? I just like to make a livelihood mm -hmm. and, and looking at my options available and the encouragement I got mental health seemed to work. People made sense to me. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, I have different learning disabilities. I know some people don't like that term, but I, it, it, it does. It, it is kind of my experience of it. I'm dyslexic. A lot of how I process the world is atypical. But people always made sense to me. Math doesn't make sense to me, but I'm really good at this thing I call people math. Mm. I'm good at kind of seeing, and people math doesn't work like normal math at all. In normal math, you have a lot more constancies. If two plus two is four, and outside of you know changing the nature of the universe or things like that, that's a pretty constant. But People have so many different variables. My mind just naturally gravitated towards that. So I, I felt well at home when I went into mental health, but I went straight on after undergraduate. I didn't have another career. It's the only kind of grown-up job. I, I went from as a table server, as a grad student, into my first therapy jobs. And, 
you know, got out, worked for a few years, you know, decided to go back and get my doctorate. It was something that different people in my family were supporting. So I decided to do that. But in that process, I was in a, I was in a counseling practice. I, I enjoyed the work. I was working for somebody else, but I was, I was making a good living for the hours I was putting in. But I began to feel this question. This was in my 20s still to what, kind of is the pain points that we highlighted in the first episode, which mm-hmm. is I could, I just saw this tunnel of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to keep on seeing clients. And if I want to make more money in a given month, I can see more clients, but see more. yeah. I, and I was feeling yeah. kind of the top end of that. I, I was seeing about between, you know, 25 to 32 clients a week. I know there are lots of people that see more, but for me, that was kind of my top end. I'm very extroverted and counseling is a very difficult inverted activity. It's much more inclined to introverted mindsets. And, mm. and I wasn't energized by the work. I loved the work. I thought it was important, but it didn't energize me in the ways that I thought. And so I began pretty early in my career, began ex- considering and exploring, like, how do I, how do I grow? How do I step out? I, I wasn't looking to get a, into like group practice at the time. I was working for one, but I was having these thoughts. I was 28, 29. I wasn't independently licensed yet. I hadn't finished my doctorate degree. Not that those things, depending on your setting, needs to be absolute, but I did not feel like I'm going to go out and start my own group practice. That was not my initial thought. What inspired me was I started to do some workshops. I had stayed connected with some graduate professors of mine and then actually contributed to some published works of, and so was speaking at conferences and realized I'd like that and I was, I was decent at it. And so I began exploring how to lead kind of workshops and seminars. And I have a whole course I do on this. And, and, but I, I didn't, I hadn't written a book. I didn't have a license. I didn't have a lot of credentials that led me to get hired. So my solution to that was in 2011, I started my own continuing education business. I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> but I just, it, it, I thought I could figure it out. And I did in the process. And I, I still, I'm in the continuing education business. And I began for years, I would do in-person seminars where I traveled to different cities. I would get hired and, and by doing in-person seminars, that let me to get hired by other groups. But I would go to places like Atlanta or Dallas or Tampa or Charlotte, and I would rent out presentation space and market. I'd send out postcards and mm-hmm. I learned a lot in that. And that was, that was an interesting way to scale. It was still a lot of work, but I could, I could, I could do more in a day and talk to more people. And that was exciting to me. In 2019, I began putting things online. And that was a great year to start learning online things because then the need for online continuing education just exploded in 2020. And fortunately, I had a little bit, I didn't have a lot going by the time COVID hit, but I had enough going that that I was able to build some momentum and get some great mentoring in that. And I've learned a lot even just in the years since. So that kind of brings us to the present day. I, I still run my with my wife their group therapy practice, and I do Psych Maven, where we provide continuing education and other courses and resources for therapists. And in the process, I've been able to get to know some great therapists that have also kind of stepped in the space. Gordon Brewer, we mentioned. Gordon was the very first person that paid me for an independent workshop. <laughs> and that's how we met, was I was doing my first independent workshop over 10 years ago. And... I was just cold emailing people that I was finding. Gordon, he's about an hour and a half away from me in Kingsport, Tennessee. I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I just found his email. I go, you know, 
this is a little far for someone to maybe drive for an in-person workshop, but he's in a smaller community than me. He might be interested in coming. And he did. He was. The, I remember when the PayPal charge went through, mm-hmm. I had an app on my phone and saw, and I'm like, who's Gorn Brewer? <laughs> and, but Gorn's been a very important person in my life. And I've been, loved seeing him and what he's done in the Praxis Therapy podcast. And also now the Psychcraft Network that we're a part oh, of. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that James and I are part of for this podcast. So, But through Gordon and other relationships like that, I began, I got entree to this world of, I've just called, I call us the hustle therapist. Mm-hmm. There's a few dozen yeah, what of is us. That? Yeah, there are a few dozen of us in the country I would identify, but they're, they're therapists that have kind of created a space for themselves as kind of the entrepreneurial thought leaders. It's been, traditionally, it's been people like John Clark, uh, Marissa Lawton, Joe Sanok, Warren Brewer. A lot of these are people that have podcasts, Uriah Guilford. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of them in the, the Sitecraft network. But these are people that were just kind of in the ether of the space of talking about the work of mental health practice. And I, you know, developed different relationships in there. And I've I've been very disinterested in doing a podcast. <laughs> I've been asked wow. at times. My disinterest has been I've I've wanted I, I enjoy the thing I, the things I get to be involved in, I I was less I didn't really a part of it was I didn't have a vision for a podcast I didn't have something that I felt like well this is what I need to do this is what I need to put out in the world and I didn't want to just add something else to my plate without a vision. But a few months ago I got an email from James yeah and I will highlight like I had not met James before I knew who he was because he had also kind of been in this this field of these hustle therapists and so I'd heard him on podcast episodes. I had context for who he was. And James reached out to me and, you know, introduced himself, but he had found Psych Maven and he had kind of asked us a question of, he, he wanted to just chat with me to get some, some insights and feedback. Cause he goes, you know, I see that you've created online offerings. Why do you think more therapists haven't done this? For sure. Yeah. And, and that was kind of the question James posed. And I thought, well, this is really interesting. So we, we ended up setting up a, a conversation and you know james was saying like you know i i have i would love to put together a course on how to do this and i said well i hate to burst your bubble but i have a course that i've already done how about you how about you check out my course and see what you think and my course profitable mental health training which is what i it was taking my lessons from doing in-person trainings but also doing them online and i created a course around that and james took it gave me some gracious feedback and he said, yeah, this is basically what I was wanting to put together. And I go, well, <laughs> I, I would love to connect with you on this because I, I think, and I, I said, you know, well, first I said at the time, my friend Gordon Brewer was starting to put together his network for podcast. And I, I said, I, and a side conversation with Gordon, I go, hey, James Marlin's doing some really interesting things. He may be a great key person to kind of help organize and implement managing this this new podcasting network and gordon had this conversation with james and that kind of came to fruition and i said to james i said you know i've had this podcasting thought i go i don't want to do a podcast but i'd be happy to be your co-host and i go if you'd like to do the podcast i would love to ride shotgun with you yeah and i jumped on that yeah and uh, there there's just we have had hours of offline conversation like that could go up like that 
they could just go on and on it just all the ideas and the just the dreaming and how you do things and your some of your connections it's 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 great stuff and there was a great convergence for james james and i i felt that you know james had cuz i had worked in an inpatient hospital it was one of my first jobs as a as a graduate intern and but i didn't see the admission side Mm-hmm. And I didn't see the back office sort of side. I didn't see like I, I saw one side of it. And in some ways, I wouldn't say I'm an archetypal therapist, but I've I've had a lot of the typical work experiences for many people, I think, who'd be listening to this podcast in different phases of my career. And I can speak to those different perspectives. And it just felt like this great convergence because James has been on this parallel path that sees things from so many different angles. And I thought, you know, in conversations that we could pull together and resources we could pull together that, you know, could we be hitting kind of both sides of these pain points for therapists? And, you know, James asked a very prescient, clear-minded question, which is, it feels like some of these other things should be no-brainers for therapists. And he asked me, what's, what's the barrier? And Mm -hmm. I told them best I thought the barrier. I go, the barrier is not the vision. A lot of therapists have ideas. It's figuring out how to implement. Mm. And where James lit up in that part of our conversations, he said, well, that's what I do. I implement. I go, well, I think that's that's what people need. There's a lot of inspiration. And we hope that part of our conversations in this podcast provide inspiration. But implementation, I think, is the thing in shorter supply. You know, it's great to think scale. How? Yeah, I sh- I absolutely should scale, but how to do it? The how is the I think that's the the million dollar question at this point. And James has had so much in his work history about implementing the hows, and I think that's again that's just what exciting. So that's what when we talk about what we want to share with therapists and people who work as helping professionals is ideas, of course, of what to implement. What are the things that can help you grow? without creating more grind, Mm. how to grow in ways that become more efficient and maybe even decrease your workload. That's the vision. And in what we share between ourselves and, you know, James is going to have other interviews. I know with people in this, in this podcast of, of it's kind of how to lay out both the what's, but also the how's of what are the different things to implement through this process that can make being you as a mental health provider easier. So, so you, you started talking about how our stories help therapists. I mean, just to sum up for me, you know, I have a, I have a talent stack of like, I, I've been working on the, the system side of running therapy offices and therapy systems. I'm great with technology, pretty good with people. I have a, I get energized when you were talking about being energized, like I get energized when I give an idea or a system or a template or something and people uses it and their their life is easier. Like they're mm-hmm. like, oh, that was so good. I saved, you know, I'm saving two hours a week doing this now. It's it's those those are the types of things that get me excited and keep me going. I mean, I, I, I've worked with SEO and social media. These are things I've, I'm good at, but they're just part of the stack. You know, they're just mm-hmm. part of what what I can bring to the table that's my journey and my story that allows me to hear a problem from the the clinician side and then go back to the resources, you know, or the network and find a solution that can help make that 
person's life or job easier. And for me, it really feels like the mirror end. I am not good at SEO. I am not a technical person. I, you know, I, <laughs> I've, I, I may have more skills or more experience than maybe some other therapists. Like I've, I've figured things out over the years, but a lot of it's been out of necessity. And mm -hmm. I will say, I generally do things in the most inefficient way first and struggle <laughs> to get them more efficient. I have so many stories of inefficiency that I'll be able to share in this. In a lot of ways, as James and I kind of talked about this idea of, you know, I have my own experiences and ideas of what scaling has, has looked like and what I've implemented. But throughout this podcast, I also want to be the voice of the therapist, the voice of, mm -hmm. you know, what, you know, in as we have these conversations, what might average therapists be thinking about and struggling with? Not only has it been my life, it's been very much my social world. Like I, I live and breathe and do life with therapists. I'm married to a mm -hmm. therapist. My, a lot of my close relationships and friendships are other people in the industry. I, by far, if you look at like my non-blood relatives, the amount of time of people I spend talking with and in my close circle of friends, I can think of so many, so few of my friends that aren't therapists or not married to therapists. I've got, I've got some friends that have been looped in because they're spouses of therapists. That's, and so I see a lot in that world. I, I talk and hear and process myself about what are those pain points. And I live in those pain points. I live in the pain point of being a group practice owner and trying to figure out how to be more efficient. As, mm -hmm. as James and I are recording right now, I just got a text message and I just think this is so just interesting. But it's it's from a friend of mine. He runs a, a a group practice, a smaller group practice in a different town. And he texted me. He goes, "Hey, do you have any sort of checklist to go by for clinicians who end up leaving the practice? I think I have a good idea of what I need, but I'm not sure if I'm missing something." And the truth yeah. is, I don't. I I don't. But that is something that would be great. Like I've because I've I've dealt with like managing exit interviews, and I've gotten better at them. But I'll, I'll tell you, the first time I had to do an exit interview with a, practice, a therapist leaving my practice, it was not a smooth process because I was just kind of throwing it together. Yeah, and, I, had, I had an admin staff when I worked for the, the support company. That first time made me, oh man, I cringe when mm -hmm. I think about the mistakes we made and how we, how we thought we were doing it right and how it, it just wasn't, it wasn't a kind, it just wasn't as kind as I thought it was for the like the the support staff and you're probably thinking of like patient charts and like mm -hmm. billing and npi numbers and all those things from your side like how do you do that anyway yeah yeah and the first time was terrible yeah and you know some of what i think the vision we have collectively for this podcast is how it can be kind of an easy button because mm -hmm. we're gonna like okay like how to like here's what's hard how can this be easier and you know, what are resources that make this easier? And, you know, we hope that, you know, in conversations we have, and we hope that as you connect with us, you know, we'd love to hear what those things are. And, you know, what are the things that you, you wish you you'd have? You know, particularly as James is, we're early in this process, but depending on when you listen, you're listening to this, you know, James has so many, I think, dynamic ideas for the product suite for the scaling therapy practice kind of resources. Mm -hmm. And you might be catching out, catching this episode sometime after it's been recorded and you might be able to come and check out, there might be some solutions to even stuff we're talking about right now that, that yep. are available. And 
you know, in in being with us in these conversations in this journey, if if the outcome is it gets easier. Like I, you know, when I put together a product, particularly a business product for therapists, and again, one of the ones I love having out there the most is my course on how to create mental health trainings, how to create CE events, how to create trainings for your kind of client populations, you know, whether you're doing in-person trainings, online trainings, live webinars, pre-recorded courses. We, I cover all that in my course, but one of the highlights I say in this course is this is what I created was what I would have wanted when I started. Mm -hmm. If I could beam stuff back to my younger self, when I was trying to figure this stuff out, I would have paid for this. I want, I would have want this because most of my mistakes in the different things I've done in business have been super expensive <laughs> and they expensive in sense of dollars and like what it costs. Yeah. But also expensive emotionally. I've yeah. gone through, I've gone through a failed startup in the mental health space. And I can tell you about the stress, the lack of sleep. I mean, my cortisol levels were probably through the roof. Like it was not fun, mm. but I didn't know what I was doing. And I, part of it is I didn't have anyone in front of me who had done some of the things similar that I could say, like, how did you figure this out? And, you know, you talk about the energy, James, that's one of the things that really energizes me. When, I, when I'm able to have conversations with somebody else in the field and there's something that I'm able to share that helps them avoid a pain point that's not necessary. If there's right. something about my pain that can help them do it easier, I want that. I want that and I want to, I want to highlight that, amplify that. And we hope that as you join us for these different conversations of the podcast, that that's what we can offer you. Great. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap up with our one thing from that we want you to remember from this episode. I think as both David and I were talking, my one thing is our stories are a strength. Like mm -hmm. we did not just drop out of the sky <laughs> and end up on your podcast feed here. We both come with a story and and also you too come with a story. Your story is your strength. You have experiences that have gone on in your life that help you. And in our stories, you know, I I started off in a, in a in a different field and ended up over here, but every step of the way I was learning and growing. Even the failures of like like the business is closing or other businesses getting bought out and then learn, having to learn a new business and learning new skills helped me like hire more people, build more systems. I had to build a whole training system for the whole plate. Like how do you bring on employees and get them up to speed quickly? All those things were, uh, their, their strengths now in the, in the moment they were tough, you know, mm -hmm. those failures and getting knocked down and not being able to sleep and worrying about different things and like messing up with people and then mm. then trying to make things right like all those things in the moment they they were they were hardships but now they're strengths and those are the strengths that we can bring to our audience mm -hmm. absolutely um james great conversation i look forward to the next one all right we'll see you next time thank you for tuning into the scaling therapy practice we hope you found the information helpful and informative. Please keep in mind that the context of this podcast is for general information purposes only 
and is not intended as tax or legal advice. If you have any legal questions or concerns, we strongly encourage you to consult with a qualified professional in your area. The Scaling Therapy Practice Podcast is part of the Psych Craft Network. This network of podcasters provides both self-help and business-building resources to create an impact in the world and change people's lives. Check them out at psychcraftnetwork.com.